0: Hello there, this is Guru, talking to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain how. First off, it is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more providers. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody. And welcome to the Ballistic Podcast, live from San Jose, California. I'm your host, Guru Ram Prakash. And as usual, along with me over Skype, is uh, my good friend, Vikram Kanth. Vikram, how are you doing? And dude, how's the second round? It's been amazing. And uh, I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on it before we uh, go
1: and talk about it more in depth. Yeah, okay. First things first. The second round was everything it was possibly billed to be. Like it was amazing. It had so much drama. It was, it was just so enjoyable to watch. Every single series had at least one sort of upset ish type of moment. Uh, even including the most boring series of the, of them all, the Celtics versus the Bucks. even that had that unexpected game one Celtics victory drama. Every single game had every single series had something like that. Uh,
0: Absolutely. And, uh, as they say, not even Hollywood could write a better script, right? So, I mean, Uh, yeah, it it, it was great entertainment for all of us. And like, hopefully this is a sign of things to come in, in, in the, in the rounds that follow after, after this, like what, what's going to happen. And this is why we tune into the league. This is why the Rockets Warriors game was the highest rated semifinal game in history. It's, it's because of the the drama that is created and we want to see these teams. You want to see, what they do on the court, what adjustments they make. But we also want to see the storylines, the drama and everything. And we'll go over that as we talk uh, about all the second round series is in this episode. So, uh, I mean, let's talk. Let's stop at uh, Milwaukee, Boston. Right. So game one obviously goes to Boston. And we we saw a lot of overreactions, uh, such as from Paul Pierce, that Milwaukee was done and they have been figured out. And this is going to be a tough series. Yeah. Excuse me.
1: Yeah, to apologize for that, if you uh, if you saw that,
0: I, I did not see the apology. You know, can you, can you go over that?
1: Getting, uh, it ended up getting pretty heated, but I I just thought it was entertaining. But continue on. Sorry, I thought it was funny.
0: Yeah, well, I, I was just gonna say that uh, Milwaukee responded and they responded in a big way, winning four consecutive games. Really, and it really wasn't close because uh, yeah, Giannis just took over the uh, took over games. Uh, the Milwaukee shooters were hitting shots and the Celtics had no answer because uh, the problems with them in the regular season carried over into this series they were sometimes they weren't in sync uh Kyrie was not making shots that was really the big thing like they would give the ball to Kyrie and hope like the, that he would carry them rightfully so and uh he did not do that uh so Vikram uh, just uh, give me your overall um, um impression of this series and what this means for the Bucks going forward and or even the Celtics what does that mean what does it mean for them going forward
1: so uh, let me start with the Bucs uh, they look really really good uh, I'm I think that the biggest thing that they did for themselves was give themselves extra days to uh, rest particularly for Malcolm Brogdon I think he's going to be the X factor in the next series and uh, how he's going to play is going to be pretty crucial against Toronto Because they need that extra spot-up shooter, a little bit of creation that he provides in the starting lineup. So I think that's going to be really, really important moving forward here. Uh, So that's the first point that I would make. Uh, Overall, I thought Giannis got a lot better as the series progressed. Uh, You know, the Celtics had something that worked in the first game, namely uh, foul Giannis and hope it doesn't get called. Uh, After he started getting to the free throw line, that, uh, that changed. The one development that I really want to point to with his game is that if you leave him open, he can actually hit a three, which is not something I, we would have said earlier in this season. So I think he's really taking a step forward with that shooting. And, uh, you know, if he gets a three-point jump shot that's actually uh, serviceable, the game is over. The league is over. You might as well give up now. Seriously. Uh, if you got to defend Giannis out to the three-point line, it's all over. Uh, but that aside, I think the Bucs are well-situated for the next round with Toronto. Uh, to be honest, given how Toronto has played, uh, I really expect uh, the Bucks to win that series quite handily.
0: Yeah, because with uh, with Toronto, and we'll go over the Toronto-Philadelphia series probably next, but uh, Toronto really had one person come up, come up big for them throughout the series consistently, and that was Kawhi Leonard. For Milwaukee... It was their entire team, and you you can just tell. Like, it, I mean, Giannis is the brain of that entire operation, but like Chris Middleton had an excellent series, uh, shooting the ball. Brook Lopez played uh, played well after Game One, at least he. Uh, he, he well, well, I mean, uh, okay, I, I take that back.
1: You know, but well, Eric, I, Eric, he did what he was supposed to do, which is he took up space and forced people to defend. His shooting is actually the one thing I'm most worried about for the Bucks. But while you're talking about the Bucks overachieving, uh, can we talk about George Hill? He's Absolutely. Kind of, like, please, please do. Take it over. Take it over. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about like George Hill threw down an alley-oop dunk. He's throwing down dunks. He's taking pull-up threes off the dribble. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen George Hill look this great even when he was playing for San Antonio. I mean, this is, this is some heck of a career renaissance for him. And, uh, you know— it's kind of funny, and a part of it,
0: he's he's coming off the bench and he's playing an important role there.
1: He's he's outplaying Eric Bledsoe. He is. He, he is He basically outplayed Kyrie Irving this series, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, that might be a hot take, but I I actually think that like game for game, pound for pound, he outplayed Kyrie Irving in the series.
0: And and that really isn't a hot take if you really think about it, because we're uh, only yeah. talking about the series. We're not talking about, oh, George Hill is better than Kyrie Irving. Like, no one would ever decipher that based on the statements that you said. And, I mean, it's just this series, and, and this series, George Hill dominated on both ends.
1: Oh, and, yeah. yeah. He played great defense and on offense. He was under control. I mean, let me put it this way. The Bucks, when Giannis went to the bench, that's when you would have expected them to struggle. Uh, quite the opposite occurred. They actually got better with the bench in some of these games. And uh, I'm going to say Pat Connaughton and George Hill were like my surprises at the series. My God, Pat uh, Connaughton. Youngest.
0: He can really shoot that rock.
1: Dude, he's like 6'4", and he's grabbing like eight boards a game, dude.
0: He's hes damn athletic, too. Yes. bro,
1: He is nuts athletic. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. I am really happy for this team. They look great. Uh, I think, depending on how Kevin Durant heals, they are the uh, the favorites for the championship overall. Uh, that's another thing I don't think is a particularly hot take, but uh, I, I think they look so good, so in tune. Uh, the one thing they could use is for Brook Lopez to uh, to look a little better. I think he struggled shooting. You're right; he did exactly what he needed to in the series in terms of uh, in terms of spacing the floor, but. Uh, his overall shooting was really disappointing. So that's the one thing I would say uh, that they're gonna have to find a way to deal with that,
0: yeah. and the Bucks have home court advantage throughout the rest of these playoffs. so that that should really help them as you know, sort of uh, this is their like this is their first trip to the uh, conference finals in a long, long time, especially uh, with this team. I don't think Uh, Oh, well, George Hill has been to the conference finals. So they they do have some experience there on the roster. But okay, let's let's turn to the Celtics just for a quick minute here. Obviously, Kyrie Irving is a free agent. That that is that is the big story. The Celtics have a bunch of draft picks. Are they going to trade those draft picks for someone significant? We'll see. But um, what does this mean for the Celtics in their future? Do do they uh, do they make a big change in the offseason?
1: Well, uh, I'm going to put it this way, and this is going to sound really sad. I think the Nets might have a brighter future than the Celtics right now. (laughs) As sad as that might sound, as sad as it is that they gave up all those first-round picks, uh, I I really actually think that they have a... they might have a better core than what the Celtics have going forward. Uh, Without Kyrie Irving, you're not going to be able to trade for Anthony Davis because he's not going to stick around uh, in Boston. I wonder what... To be honest, I wonder what Al Horford's going to do, too. I, I don't think there's any chance that Kyrie stays in Boston. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I don't think there is. Oh, my there's, God. I, I think there is maybe like a 20% chance, but I, I, let me put it this way. I would bet I would actually put money on him not staying in in Boston. So that's kind of the place I'm at with that. And without him, I don't think Anthony Davis is going to be interested in going there. Uh, so they're going to kind of go into rebuild mode with, you know, Tatum and Brown, which isn't necessarily a bad place to be, but,
0: I mean, they'll I, still be a playoff team, I would think.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're going to be fine doing that. Marcus Smart's still there. Uh, if they can get Morris on an affordable contract, uh, Rozier.
0: Two,
1: yeah, I mean, I don't think so. Rozier's not going to come back to the Celtics either. Oh
0: really? He Even basically if they lose Kyrie. If
1: you if you saw if you saw his uh, if you saw his post game comments. Uh, I didn't see that. Oh, series comments. There is. He basically said, "I'm not coming back to Boston." Oh my god. So uh, you know, and you know what? I don't necessarily blame him. His role this year was really spotty. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they would have played better without Kyrie. Uh, and the reason I say that is is kind of similar to what happened in Game Six with the Warriors against the Rockets, where. Brad Stevens' system is, you know, the beautiful game type of thing, you know. And and Kyrie, like KD, doesn't necessarily fit that. And Kyrie is also an inferior player to Kevin Durant as well. Uh, It's kind of hard when Kevin Durant's, you know, a seven-footer that can do a lot of the shot creation and one-on-one iso uh, ISO ball isolation type stuff. Uh, It's a little harder for Kyrie to do that, as phenomenal of of an isolation player as he is. Uh, Defensively, there's no question there. But I think he takes the team out of the system, and he wasn't able to step it up in the playoffs. So maybe they would have been better off with uh, with Terry Rozier. I don't and, know.
0: And, and just really quickly, Jalen Brown did say something that um, he said that Kyrie Irving is going to leave, and the Celtics are going to help him pack. And I think that pretty much sums up what, what you just said. Maybe Kyrie does not fit the Brad Stevens system. Okay, not maybe. Definitely doesn't fit the Brad Stevens system. And maybe the Brad Stevens system is the best way to run uh, run a team, run run the operations around there. And I, listen, without Kyrie last year, they got to the conference finals. We, I mean, I hate to look at it at such a, a broad perspective like that because basketball is such a nuanced game, as we know. But last year, they made the conference finals. Without Kyrie, and this year they got pretty much got gentlemen swept out of the semifinals. So it is what it is.
1: Yeah, they uh, they got gentlemen gentlemen swept is uh, yeah they might as well have been. Yeah, it's four one. Let me put it this way: they didn't even win a game at home. Yeah, okay,
0: that's a problem. That is very very much a problem.
1: Yeah. That's uh, pretty. Uh, he Freaking sad,
0: and uh, with that, we're going to move on to the next series we want to talk about, which is uh, uh, Philly going up against Toronto. So, obviously, Toronto won today on an amazing Kawhi Leonard basket that will go down as one of the most you know amazing things that have ever happened in playoff history. I'm so glad I was able to watch it. I, I was holding my breath that, that that ball going on the rim from the from the front rim to the back rim and, and into the bucket. My goodness. I've never quite seen a shot like that. It's so consequential really. And uh, after he after he made that shot like I mean obviously my my dad and I were screaming like what is going on here? The basketball gods have spoken and Toronto is going on to the second round, but tell me your general um, takeaways from the series. It really was like it felt like each game had its own storyline in a way. And we, I, I, am struggling to come up with an overall um, uh, storyline here, other than the fact that Kawhi Leonard dominated pretty, pretty much every game, and he is a superstar.
1: Uh, I'm worried for the Raptors overall. Like that's my my overarching uh, thing for this series. So yeah, Kawhi Leonard had a had a phenomenal game. So let me actually be honest here. He had a very inefficient game for him. And that was one thing that I noticed. He wasn't getting the same shots that he was getting earlier in the series. Uh, He was having to do so much for this team. And I'm genuinely worried about that for him. uh, Because I think that that's going to result in some unpleasant consequences in the next round. I think that's probably the big takeaway I have. I thought they should have won in five or six games. The Raptors over the the Sixers.
0: I agree 100%. Their role (laughs) players did not come to play in this series.
1: And that's my biggest thing. I don't think they got contributions up and down, uh, up and down the, the board. And you know what? That's really problematic for them. I don't know that they're going to be able to uh, to get what they're supposed to get in this in the next series. And I think they're gonna really struggle with the Bucks because of that. Uh, I don't know that Kawhi Leonard can do it, you know, for seven more games or how many ever games the next series goes to. So that would be what I'm most concerned about for them. Uh, Other than that, I would say Pascal Siakam had a pretty poor game. Uh, That was another big takeaway that I had. He had
0: a pretty poor Game 7, but he had a decent series, I would think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he did kind of get hurt. Uh, He did, you know, he was defended by Joel Embiid versus spurts. You know, things like that really took him out of his game. So stuff like that, but you know, Kyle Lowry played a really, really good game tonight. Uh, he looked good. He took some absolutely critical charges, uh, and he really, I think, he was the difference maker tonight. Uh, besides Kawhi Leonard. So you know, if they can get good production from uh, from Lowry and from Siakam, along with Kawhi being his consistent self, consistent superhuman self, basically, uh, then I think that they have a chance in the next series, but like right now I think the Bucks are more likely to win than the Raptors and I think it's going to be, you know, 6 games. I don't uh, even I'm,
0: I'm know in those. complete agreement with you. Listen, the Sixers are not the best offensive team. And on top of that, they really don't have the best bench. So when you're playing a 7 game series with them and that 7th game goes down to the wire like it just did, that spells a little bit of trouble, like, and you 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 uh, stated it very eloquently. I mean, they, I mean, the Raptors got to get more th- from Marcus All. I, I would think on on offense, really, and they need to get more from their bench,
1: particularly Serge Ibaka. So Serge and, Ibaka had a phenomenal game tonight. Gotta, will, he did. He did. You're uh, right about that. I mean, for the series, he's been rather underwhelming, but tonight he controlled the glass. The story, like the real storyline from this game is that the Raptors absolutely, I think at some point in the fourth, they had 20 more possessions than, uh, than the 76ers did. And, I mean, that's absurd. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that they got out-rebounded so badly uh, with Joel Embiid, with some of the rebounders that that team has. So, you know, that, that part was crazy to me. Uh, but I do think you're right that they're going to need to get more out of their bench Like, Norm Powell needs to do something. Fred VanVleet needs to do more. I mean, he had a really good uh, defensive sequence in this game where he picked uh, Ben Simmons and took it all the way to the bucket. You know, got blocked by Joel Embiid, but it turned into a a two. So, I mean, this game was exemplifying how important offensive rebounding still is in the NBA, even though it has been somewhat de-emphasized with the de-emphasis on the center position. But in the playoffs, possessions matter more than at any other time because it's hard to get buckets sometimes. And both teams went through those dry spells in this game today. Uh, The other thing I would say is, uh, hey, 76ers, when you need a bucket in the last four minutes of the game, can we post up Joel Embiid who is absolutely destroying Marcus All in this particular game?
0: I I agree. Instead of giving the ball to Jimmy Butler and and expecting something great to happen, that's not going to happen all the time.
1: The saddest part of the whole thing was that uh, the, the most unfortunate part—it's not even necessarily sad—but the most unfortunate part was that, you know, Jimmy Butler was trying his best to ISO, but it just wasn't working out. They were losing possessions. They had a bunch of 24-second uh, violations in the game. Yeah, were they
0: were they even reading the shot clock? I'm like, I have they, no. Idea. I'm like three, two, one, and you're still passing the ball. Like, what's going on, guys? Like, the shot clock's right there for you to see. Oh my God, that that really pissed me off because this is the playoffs, as you said. Lost possessions, especially the shot clock violations. These are unforced errors.
1: They were already giving up so many possessions on the offensive glass. Mm -hmm. To compound that by having 24-second violations, uh, by having Kyle Lowry basically take two charges in the fourth quarter. I mean, all of those things just prevent you from winning, basically. I will say the thing that worries me about the Raptors is despite all of that, Somehow the game was tied, and they needed a Kawhi Leonard, you know, most amazing shot I've seen live in an NBA game type of thing, to actually win. So I mean, that's that's pretty crazy to me.
0: Yeah, and uh, listen, okay, Vikram, I only want a yes or no answer from you for these questions. Is Jimmy Butler a Sixer next year? Yes. Is Tobias Harris a Sixer next year? No. Okay. So I'm guessing, like, based on this, based on what has happened in the postseason, I think this you think that the Sixers are going to determine that uh, Jimmy Butler is more valuable than than Tobias Harris.
1: Um, so I, uh, I contest the assertion of more valuable, and the reason I say that is I think that Tobias Harris is still more valuable in the context of the team that they have. Uh, but Jimmy Butler fits the city much better. And he kind of personifies what Philadelphia is about. And I think that actually has some real value uh, in terms of how you sell that to your fan base. So I actually do think he's the one that's going to be sticking around.
0: That's the, that's interesting. I'm, I'm thinking that Tobias Harris stays and Jimmy Butler leaves only because that Jimmy Butler has always got his eyes wandering around. And uh, if there's a super team forming and they have room for one more they I mean, the J- Jimmy Butler, it could, could be a guy that that could join join such a group and be valued on defense. So that I mean, that's just me. But I would not be surprised if what you said also transpired. So with that, we we go on to the Western Conference and uh, the first series that we're going to talk about in the West are is gonna, the Warriors and the Rockets. Wow, what a what a game 6, but even before that, um the Warriors struggled to win in Houston in both games 3 and 4 in in really very winnable games both both times, you know, uh they they were struggling, but KD was able to bring them back into the game, KD meaning Kevin Durant, in both games 3 and 4 and they were really very much winnable games had, you know, the Warriors been uh, rebounding the ball better, if Steph Curry was making more shots, if Klay Thompson was uh, on like he was in in Game 6. But anyways, the Warriors lose, end up losing Games 3 and 4, and in the middle of Game 5, Kevin Durant comes down with what appears to be a calf injury. Now, when everybody saw it, they thought it was an Achilles injury and uh, that KD would be out for the year, and that was his last game as a Warrior. The Warriors assert that that is not so, and that he will come back in the conference finals, uh, and picture me uh, cautiously pessimistic as to whether that's going to happen or not, just because of the way he reacted to the injury. But but anyways, I'm not a doctor, so we'll we'll see what happens. I'm hoping for the best. Uh, but after KD went out, um, PJ Tucker actually made a very interesting point in a Game Six interview, and it was an interview that's like played in the middle of the game in Game Six. PJ Tucker said that. Uh, when KD came out that, guys, it's going to get harder to defend the Warriors. And the reason why it was going to get harder to defend the Warriors is because now they're going to move the ball. They're going to cut off the ball. They're going to they're gonna make plays for others. They're going to sh- turn into the old Warriors team that um, other teams had issues guarding. And I don't want to say that happened completely because Steph Curry was still very much off. Uh, I, I mean, in this in the fourth quarter of game number five, Steph Curry turned it on and and was a a force on offense, Um, and obviously we all know what happened in the second half of games, game six. Curry had uh, probably the best second half of his career, but. You know the, what what they say would ha- would happen did happen and the Warriors sort of went back to their strength and numbers mantra. I think they played they played 10 or 11 guys in Game six and no one played above 34 minutes. So really Steve Kerr reached into the coffers and got um, production from guys like Quinn Cook, uh, Jordan Bell, Jonas Drepko, and these are guys who had not been playing in the series. So it it was great to get production from those guys. Really a blessing and then in the fourth quarter Steph Curry comes and and does does what other superstars do and that is you know make big shots in big points of the game and uh, as for Houston this is uh another reason why they they're just owned by the Warriors Three of the last 4 years they've been eliminated by the Warriors and um i don't know whether you feel for them or uh uh you uh, you just like um yeah, they they did flop a lot in this series <laughs> quite frankly and uh I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be honest yeah
1: uh so did you see the comments by the uh, by the rockets owner tilman fortitta uh
0: are you talking about the comments uh that uh, james harden was the best defender ever or the comments that uh, we will beat the warriors eventually
1: uh the comments where he was like it was disappointing it was disgraceful we had to do better, blah blah blah. We'll get them eventually. I guarantee that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was after the series, right? Yeah, yeah I, I saw this comment. Yeah, what, what do you have to say?
1: Here's my problem with that. You let Trevor Ariza walk because you didn't want to pay him. Yes. You made a number of moves that were detrimental to your team. Yes. And your your general manager, Gerald Moran, nearly salvaged you know victory from the jaws of defeat type of thing. But you made your you made your team you put your team at a disadvantage basically
0: by not paying but the luxury tax.
1: That's a disadvantage. Where, you know, you got lucky that players like, you know, Austin Rivers really worked out. That Kenneth Fareed worked out during the season. Daniel House worked out during the season. But, you know, in terms of, like, what a normal expectation would be, you basically screwed your team over by letting Trevor Ariza walk. By letting Luke Rashard and Bamute, although you wouldn't have known his, uh, you know, his injury situation before the season. But by letting all these guys walk, I mean, you put your team at a disadvantage. So it's funny to me to be saying that we're gonna somehow catch up to the Warriors with your attitude of not wanting to pay the tax. I don't think you are gonna beat the Warriors. I mean, I don't think there's any way.
0: Yeah, I mean, we I, we saw this last year. Uh, I mean, last off season when Toman Fortida let Trevor Ariza sign with with the Suns, and and when he signed with the Suns, I was like, oh my god, this is a this is a bigger loss than we would even let on because Trevor Ariza. Well, I mean, he 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 was a force on offense and on defense. He was a two way player for them, and he was the one of the guys who really gave the Warriors fits last year. One of the guys who, um, it was the reason why the series went seven games because of guys like him, guys like PJ Tucker on the floor together, making it difficult, right? And you, I mean, you Absolutely. let, and you, you let him go, and uh, and, and yeah. The Rockets really salvaged a, a situation here. I mean, they had James Ennis, and they had to release him. They had Carmelo Anthony, they had to release him. Yeah, Daryl Morey, with what he was given, did a masterful job of. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: of, of putting uh, the team together. I
0: have to add that.
1: Yeah, you know, absolutely mad respect for Daryl Morey. Seriously, like uh, that's insane to me what he has accomplished uh, in terms of his GM role, in terms of you know putting together a roster that fits around James Harden. Uh, I will say this: there is no room for this team to get better. There's no real way for them to improve. Like, this is this is what they're going to be.
0: They they have to get they have to get like um, a bargain at the discount market, basically.
1: Yeah, th- there's no there is no advantage for them. Like, what are they going to do? There there's no way they're going to be able to trade Chris Paul's contract. I think that's the second worst contract in the league after uh, after John Wall. After John Wall. Yeah, after John Wall that's like the worst contract in the league. Tees cannot live up to that value. And, you know, uh, I don't want to, it's not even necessarily an indictment of Chris Paul, who's absolutely taking a step back. Still a very productive player. And, you know, he had a wonderful game six. You know, he played really, really well. But even saying that, he's not worth $40 million, you know? And they're already overpaying for Clint Capella, in my opinion, as well given that the center position is the most replaceable position. And what Clint Capella gives you is, I think, somewhat replaceable, maybe not to the extent, but for $20 million, I, I kind of want more than what I'm getting out of Capella. So with him, Harden, and uh, and Chris Paul on the books, they've got very little flexibility. I don't know what, you know, Clint Capella would be able to get on the trade market, for example. So I mean,
0: And, and the- Harden's on the supermax, have- correct? I'm sorry? Harden's on the supermax, correct?
1: Yes, he is. Okay, well, at least.
0: Uh, Yeah. Okay, but uh, Vikram, uh, you have not talked about the Warriors, so talk about them.
1: So, you know the Warriors. Remember what I talked about with uh, when I was talking about how Kyrie makes the uh, the Celtics worse. Kevin Durant doesn't make the Warriors worse because he's the ultimate luxury, but what he does do is he gives the Warriors a place to go. Uh, when their offense bogs down after the first motion or the first cut or the first series uh, of their play, essentially. And so what happens there is, you know, they'll run something, it doesn't necessarily work, give the ball to KD, he isos and scores, right? This iteration of the Warriors in the 2015-2016 iteration kept running. There are a lot of plays where Steph Curry was incredibly active uh, repositioning. Same thing with Klay Thompson. And they they obviously got more shots. Uh, I think this was even more prevalent with the bench in particular, uh, where they were kind of freed up by not necessarily having Kevin Durant. It, it's good and bad in in some ways. Like obviously you can't replace what Kevin Durant gives you. Uh, that's obvious. But the idea that you can you can play more to your system that you know really well uh, without a guy without the safety valve that is Kevin Durant. I think that's a pretty true point. So I thought that was a, a very poignant representation of what had occurred tonight. Or not, sorry, not tonight, but uh, in that game six Friday yeah. for, the, for the Warriors. Overall, I think it was a fantastic game. Uh, Steph Curry was amazing. I think, uh, I, I think the MVP of this series, though, for me is Kevon Looney.
0: Kevon Looney. When are we Who? retiring his jersey, Vikram? When are we retiring his jersey?
1: I don't know, but we need to retire that guy's jersey. Like, I'm <laughs> all about it. But my real question actually is I wonder if somebody this year is actually going to try and pay him.
0: I mean, given the type of playoffs he's had, I would not be surprised. But there's not, I mean, there is a lot of money that's being thrown around in the offseason, but that's mostly for max guys. Like, the middle class of the NBA has really been lost.
1: I mean, he's not middle class, right? He's still, you know, at the bottom of the league. I
0: well, think. Well, I, I would say like five or ten years ago, when there was like a, sort of a middle class growing in the NBA, Kevon Looney would be a part of that middle class.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing him make more than five million anywhere. Yeah, and uh, and that's like that's like the upper
0: tier of the lower class.
1: Yeah, I. You know what? I'm I'm hoping. You know, I know the Warriors are up against the rock and the hard place as far as the luxury tax is concerned. But they have
0: his bird rights.
1: They, they have... do, but I mean that that doesn't help them with their salary cap situation.
0: It does not. You're right.
1: So I mean, yeah, they can go into the tax even further to retain him. But since like every dollar is like ten dollars in luxury tax or whatever craziness, every dollar over the tax line is like ten dollars and whatever plus penalty. It's uh, it's pretty brutal for them.
0: Yeah and uh but like i'll just say this like i uh, i've been a warriors fan for for 20 years and um i watched the team go through a lot of ups and downs obviously lately it's been a lot of ups but uh this is yep. one of the best warriors oh, games yeah. ever of my lifetime like uh, I, like i've never seen i've never embraced my dad after a game never like we we rarely show that much emotion, but in that game, like we didn't know what to do. It, it was it was an amazing time, and you know I uh, I don't expect all of our listeners to be Warriors fans, but I pray I pray that all of you get get the chance to, you know, see your team have such a moment like the Warriors just did. And, yeah. And and yeah, I pray for that every day because every person should be able to experience that, right, Vikram.
1: Oh uh, man, you're absolutely 100% correct about that. Uh the last thing I would say is uh, I think this does a number for James Harden's legacy. Uh, I think this does a number for Chris Paul's legacy. Chris Paul
0: definitely. James Harden?
1: I, I mean, he's got time. Yeah. But that time's running out, man. He's almost 30. Or he is already. 30. He,
0: he he is. 30. He is 30. And and, I, and you know, Toman what? Toman for Tita brought it up in that interview like J- James Harden is 30. Hakeem was 30 when he won his first championship. Uh, but I like... He, yeah, but Michael had the
1: Jordan t- left the NBA. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, that's that's why he won. It, is, Ste- is, Steph won Curry, is Steph Curry going to go
0: play baseball anytime soon? Like, let us know.
1: Well, Steph Curry might go golf.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. <laughs> he probably might join the PGA Tour. He, he's, he's, he has explained that he has wanted to do that. He's uh, damn good at golf. Huh? Yeah, he is damn good at golf. You're right. So, you
1: know, I wouldn't put it past him.
0: You're you're probably right. But that's probably the only chance that uh, the Rockets have to probably sneak a championship in in these upcoming years.
1: You know, uh, it's really sad they couldn't beat the Warriors without Kevin Durant at home. Like, ultimately, that's what it comes down to.
0: It's a missed opportunity, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul said it best. That's just sad. (laughs) <laughs> you know what i mean like
0: I, I didn't see that but yeah i mean that me sums it Twitter, up
1: like give him credit like he's spot on it is just sad i don't know what else you say at the end of the day uh i, I think james harden was like i know exactly what we need to do to beat the warriors i'm a kind of called bs on that uh i don't think you know exactly what you need to do to beat the warriors
0: uh, i mean you've had three chances well four four chances I, I don't know what James Harden is alluding to there, but but hey, I mean, like may, maybe he knows what they need to do to beat the Warriors. And, uh, you know, maybe the Rockets aren't either the Rockets are not getting that done or uh, maybe to beat the Warriors, you just have to hope that like Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson leave. But
1: but anyways, um, well, you're going to need uh, at this point, you're going to need Kevin Durant to leave Clay Thompson to leave Steph Curry to be hurt and Andre Iguodala to like retire in order to beat this team. Like, I, I don't know what more you could really ask for than, uh, then have Steph Curry go, go over in the first half and then also not have Kevin Durant there. And somehow you're still tied at halftime. And
0: like, in the, in the first half of the third quarter, it was, it, Steph did not turn it on until, you know, the latter stages of the third quarter and then going into the fourth quarter. But so really it was a fourth quarter, uh, barrage, like I call it a Curry flurry, it was really the fourth quarter for Curry flurry that uh, uh, brought the game in the Warriors' favor, and like the fact that the Rockets could not take over the game before that, it's sad. It it really is sad. So with that, we want to move on to the next series. That is the uh, the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. Uh, this is also a very weird series in the sense that every game had its own storyline. And uh, one of the storylines was that amazing four overtime game three that was pretty much decided by a uh, Nikola Jokic missed free throw. But uh, lo and behold, in game seven, I mean, Nikola Jokic had that same opportunity with the free throw and he and he missed the first one. So that's two big missed free throws for Nikola Jokic that pretty much sort of decided the series for, for the Nuggets, which I, I guess it's unfair. But I mean, if you are the best player on the team, you also sh- have to shoulder that bo- burden. But uh, the Nuggets had a huge lead uh, in in the second quarter of this game and uh, really could have taken control. Damian Lillard was having one of those Steph Curry games where where he 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 did, I didn't. I don't I don't think he scored in the first half. Am I am I correct, Vikram?
1: I don't recall if he scored at all, but he only ended up with like thirteen points.
0: I, I think I think he did score, but it was only from the from the free throw line. Yeah, I don't think he actually no field goals. Bucket. But, you
1: know, that aside, I don't think he played a very good game. I will say the fact that he had 10 rebounds, 8 assists was very important. Uh, But McCullum, so like, McCollum played a really good game. He played a great Uh, game. I think one of the big storylines out of this game is that Rodney Hood got hurt. Oh, yeah. Which I can't believe that that's, like, a storyline, given where Rodney Hood was last year with the Cavs. Well,
0: part of the Trailblazers, um, uh, like, strengths is their depth.
1: Yes, Quite, yeah. they, for a team that we didn't think was very deep, they've been surprisingly so. And teams like the Raptors that you know we assign depth to have really sucked coming off the bench. <laughs> so you know you never know what's going to happen, but you got to have high quality guys and players coming off your bench. So th- that aside, uh, I think that the Trailblazers played a decent game i think the nuggets lost the game more than the blazers won the game
0: i tend to agree with that i think the nuggets could have easily put the game away had they executed down the stretch
1: yeah and, i mean Jamal had a bad game four for 18 or something around there uh jokic had a bad game overall uh jokic had an inefficient game i would say yeah when i say you know what and that that's kind of the same thing with Kawhi, right like he had an inefficient game but he still somehow scored 41 and he had a game winner so we don't remember that, but Jokic's inefficiency for a player that's usually as efficient as he is, uh, I think that was problematic in this. Uh, you know, overall, this just seemed like a team that hasn't been in the playoffs, not living up to the the expectations that we kind of unfairly put upon them.
0: Yeah, you know, this, I, I think we'll I think Jalen uh, Rose uh, post game put it put it very nicely, like. Uh, the the Nuggets have not gotten their heart broken. They've never had their heart broken, like not not even close. And this is the first time. And this is this is a good experience for them going forward. Like yeah, they I needed to have this better. happen.
1: I think they're only going to get better. They're gonna get uh they're gonna get players like uh they're gonna you know they're gonna get Michael Porter back and things like that. I think are gonna really help their team.
0: And, so. and, and players are just gonna get better. Like. Yeah, Jamal play- Murray has not even come close to reaching like the peak of what what he could reach, right? Gary Harris was injured a lot during over over the course of the season. You assume that he's healthy and getting better as the season goes on. You know, watch out for him. And uh, obviously, the smart forward position is uh, is a little tricky right now. But if Michael Porter Jr. can come in and be anything, that would be that would be big. And obviously, you got Millsap and Jokic, two two bell cows down there. But so he, they got a great team. And they've also got a very deep team as well. So, I mean, uh, their future uh, it does seem bright. But uh, let's talk about the Blazers for a second, uh, especially after two consecutive first round exits, where they both got they they got swept both years. And a lot of people were like, "Hey, maybe you got to split up Lillard and McCollum. Maybe you know they're you know, they're two small guys in the backcourt. You cannot work with that." But uh, they found a way to make it work this year. And uh, when Damian Lillard struggled over the course of this game, it was C.J. McCullum who took over the offense and really made some big plays for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, C.J. CJ's just so tricky as a player. Like, his handles are fantastic. His ability to create shots from anywhere is, is really amazing. I love watching him play. He's such a slithery player, too. I mean, you know, mad respect for him. I think he's turned himself into a phenomenal player in the NBA. uh, And I'm proud of what he's done so far. But I don't know how they're going to be able to beat the Warriors. I think that's like my big takeaway is I almost feel, and I kind of feel the same way about the Nuggets. I don't know how they would have beaten the Warriors, but especially the Trailblazers. I I just don't know how they're going to beat the Warriors, Uh, especially with – if Kevin Durant comes back and DeMarcus Cousins comes back, which you know he's he's aiming to come back in the series, so if that happens, I don't I don't really know how the heck you you can expect.
0: Well, what what DeMarcus Cousins are you getting? This is I mean that's that's the next question. And when Kevin Durant comes, what Kevin Durant are you getting? Do you my my bigger question is Do you need them? That's that's another question. That's I mean <laughs> that that's probably well like. See in, in in game six of Rockets Warriors, the Warriors did expend a lot of energy, right? It it was not easy by any stretch for them to even um, even be be in the game in this in, in in at the end of the first half, end of the third quarter. Um, but at the same time, Steph did not have a good game until the fourth quarter came around. So you factor that in, and all, all of a sudden are are the Warriors dangerous without Kevin Durant? And Demarcus Cousins. That's the question.
1: Uh, yeah, the Warriors are pretty damn dangerous without Kevin Durant and uh, and Demarcus Cousins. As long as they have Stephen and Clay, I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, I think without Rodney Hood, this is going to be very problematic for for the Blazers because that means they would they don't have that additional shot creator off the bench,
0: and they have to depend on Evan Turner, which is yeah, that's just not going to happen. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I and I actually really like Evan Turner's game. It's just he's not that player.
0: Yeah, he he needs he needs shooters around him. He's more of a playmaker. He's more of a big point guard who can't shoot, which is problematic because you know, uh, yeah, I mean, he,
1: he... he's also no style work defensively. Like he's not a bad defensive player, but certainly he's not, you know, a lockdown defender or anything like that.
0: He's an NBA rotation player.
1: Yeah, I think he is, He's and he's a good rotation player. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, too. It's just that's what he is. And
0: whether those players help you win uh, a playoff game or a playoff series depends on the day. And that's, and that's really what we're doing with Evan Turner. So, yeah, Rodney Hood is a big loss for them. But, hey, uh, a guy named Zach Collins really stepped up, not only in Game 7 today, but at points during the series. What do you think of him and... Uh, and I mean, his future going forward, obviously, we'll discuss that, I guess, after the Blazers lose yeah, the series. But uh, Zach Collins, what do you think?
1: I've been really impressed with how he's developed this year. Uh, he looks he looks like somebody who can play the four and the five, which is going to be valuable. He's played alongside Cantor, He's played the center. Uh, I think he's going to have to bulk up and get a little stronger, honestly. Hmm. Uh, I think that's the big improvement that he can make. But... You know, like every big man, it takes a minute for them to get acclimated to the NBA, to get uh, used to the increased physicality, to get used to the bigger bodies, to get used to playing with grown men, really. And so I think that that's one thing that he experienced last year and throughout this year. uh, And I think he's been much better for it. The one other overachiever that I want to talk about on Portland is uh, Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor on defense. On everything, dude. He's tough as nails, freaking... Shoulder hurt, you know, yeah. body hurt, falling apart, still balling. For and for I,
0: overtime, still still on the court with that shoulder, even though he's fasting for he's Ramadan, yeah.
1: still playing. Like this dude's amazing. I utmost respect yeah. for what uh for what he's doing. Uh both in terms of the Ramadan part and how he's, you know, playing basketball and representing.
0: Fasting during Ramadan while you have an injured shoulder. That's I mean and, and, his and tenter, the, props like, to you, man.
1: I mean, he's uh, you know, this is this is some inspiring stuff, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about how much respect I have for that. I think that's uh, that's one of the you know best storylines I've heard uh, in the NBA for a long time. So, that's you know, it's pretty cool, dude. It's absolutely pretty cool.
0: Uh, absolutely, and uh, that pretty much ends our our second round uh, recap. Uh, just a couple of notes here: uh, the NBA draft lottery is on Tuesday, so make sure to tune in for that to see if uh, which team gets the number one pick and which team will get Zion. That that'll be very interesting to see. But yeah, the the conference finals are about to start. And uh, we will have our episodes as we usually do. Uh, we apologize for not posting uh, lately. Uh, so Vikram and I have been busy with our respective duties. And when uh, when we are not busy, we promise we, we will churn out episodes and, uh, uh, you know, uh, have some NBA discussion because we definitely enjoy it. Vikram. Uh, Vikram.
1: Oh, sorry. Gotcha. This is the part where it's hard over Skype. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, everybody, please, uh, if you got any questions, concerns, topics that you want us to talk about, send us a note at, the, at BallisticPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love to hear from you. we love the feedback. Uh, seriously, send us emails. We'd love to hear from you. And yeah. uh, that's really all we got, I think.
0: Yeah, BallisticPodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Play. So, yeah, uh, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. And uh, with that, we're going to shut down this episode. Uh, for Vikram, I'm Guru. We'll talk to you guys soon.